Good morning, MVCC. All right. What a party. I love this place. I love some of those images because it's all about people and life change. I love what Jesus Christ is doing. Can I just say before we get into the message that I am so, so glad that you're here. And I just wish I had time to greet every single one of you. Maybe we'll have a moment, you know, out on the grass area. But we just sincerely want to say thank you so much for spending this hour for him. It's all about him. Everything we do here at MVCC is about Jesus Christ. Now, as you've seen some of the images about kids and families and, and our, our senior saints, we have a wide range of, of, of people over the, over the entire uh, spectrum of two-year-old to 102 years old. And I'm grateful that we have multi-generations because we learn from one another. And I just want to say we're on a hot pursuit of reaching young families and reaching children and teens and older people and middle-aged people and young younger people and people who don't even know they're people yet. We just, we just want to reach everybody with the greatest message of Jesus Christ. So we are renovating, just be in prayer, we are renovating our children's and youth department, student ministries behind this building. And we are so, so just excited about it getting done quickly. Just want to ask you to pray about that. We're making room for you. We're making room for your friends. Amen. Amen. We all live with expectations, don't we? We have expectations of pretty much everything. I think some of the expectations I was thinking about as I was younger, you know, growing up is, you know, where am I going to go to college? Where am I going to get a job? Where am I going to live? And then the big one is who are you going to marry? That's the big one, right? Can I get an amen? amen. Who are we going to marry? When you find the right one, they're just perfect. And you just, you just, just huggy and kissy and just spend all these moments together. And you talk on the phone and you'll meet at Denny's at 2 a.m. And you'll do everything possible just to spend as much time because you found the right one. And on the day you get married, you have these expectations, right, of what it's going to be like. When my wife and I got married, we decided to have this, 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 this wedding ceremony. But well, what, I, what I had the expectation of is that everything would be perfect. We would, like, get married, and we'd have, like, a great job and great life, and we'd buy a big house on the hill and raise goats. And just and everything is just wonderful. Everything's, and our kids were going to be perfect, and ministry's perfect and everything. But we know that's not reality, Right? There's a real expectation and then there's a false expectation. If we're not careful, we can fall into the category of the false expectation and we become disappointed and then we even start to doubt. I was thinking about some weddings that I was a part of, um, just having the, the privilege of officiating at some weddings. And if we have some guest pastors here, you know what I mean, but there's some strange things that happen at weddings. I did a wedding out in Oceanside, um, years ago, and it was beautiful. I mean, the bride had picked out the perfect place, this big long grass area, and it had this gazebo and a long walkway. It must have been like 100 miles out to this where the gazebo was. And then there was a pond right behind where we were having the wedding. And so they did not tell me in the rehearsal, we had three sessions and a rehearsal, they did not tell me they were going to bring their golden retrievers up the aisle with their wedding party and stand the dogs were going to stand and sit in the wedding ceremony so i am standing there thinking everything's cool we rehearse this whole thing and all of a sudden these dogs get walked down i gotta tell you these golden retrievers they were dressed to the nines i mean they had been groomed they looked really good and as the dogs are sitting there in the middle of the ceremony no joke right behind me these ducks came and landed on the pond water and these golden retrievers jump into the water and ruin the whole ceremony it was awesome it was awesome expectation right Things don't always go as planned. Can, can, I, just, can I just tell you about, about one more that was really funny? Um, I, was, I did a wedding at Disneyland. 
the, you know, that's like the happiest place on earth, aside from heaven, you know. My favorite place is Disneyland. So they asked if I'd do this wedding. I said, of course, I'll do the wedding at Disneyland. It'd be awesome. I did not realize that, you know, everything that Disneyland does, of course, is like top notch. Everybody, the entire wedding party was dressed in white. The groom was complete white tux. His wedding party had like nine guys all in white. The women were all in white. She comes up in this, literally the Cinderella carriage with white horses way in the back. She walks up, the music's playing. It's an, just an, an amazing moment. She's walking up and they're standing right before they just come up to where I am to start the wedding. They do this dove release and these doves go flying. And the doves flew right over the groom and messed up right on his, his white tux. It was incredible. Why do I say that? Because there are expectations that we have. And if we're not careful, if we don't have an alignment with the expectation that God has, we can be in some trouble. I wish when I did weddings, I wish that I could stand before them and say, look, this is the best you're ever going to look in your entire life. Those of you that are married, you know. Those of you that are soon to be married, just catch that phrase. The other thing I want to say is, I wish I could say like a Verizon commercial, you can't get out of this contract. You are here for life, baby. You got to stay married through thick and thin. Amen? The disciples, the 12 disciples, they had an expectation of what Jesus was supposed to do. They followed him for three years. He called them. They left everything, their livelihood, their comfort zone. And they thought that Jesus was going to fix the government. They thought that he was going to fix taxes. He thought that he was going to lower taxes, lower the state regulations. He thought that everything was going to be set in order. And that's the expectation that the disciples had, the followers who loved him. And not only did they have expectation that Jesus was going to set the, 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 the society back into order, but they were going to rule and reign with him. They were going to sit on his throne. They were going to be next to him in all of his glory. When he was going to set the entire world in order, they were going to be right there. So in Luke 23, when it says that Jesus was crucified and he laid down his life, it says in these verses, 44, by this time it was noon now and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock and the light from the sun was God and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And then Jesus shouted in this moment, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. And Jesus died. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record it. The historians record it. Factual information and credibility give us all the facts and all the information. There really was a man named Jesus Christ who lived on earth 2,000 years ago. He was crucified out the city walls of Jerusalem. It's a known fact more than the fact of his death is the incredible fact that he rose again on the third day. Sunday morning, Jesus came out of the tomb. He rolled the stone away and he was there to set his kingdom, set his kingdom beyond in eternity and set our lives on a new course. Now, Jesus had risen from the dead. There was a, a few days that had passed and there were two disciples of Jesus. We know there were lots of disciples who followed the Lord while he was on earth, but there are two disciples. One is named Cleopas. We're gonna call him Cleo. And he had a friend and they were walking returning back on the road to Emmaus. You, you might remember this. The reason that I wanted to pick this up is they had an expectation of the way thought, they thought what Jesus was supposed to do and what he was supposed to become. And when Jesus didn't meet their expectation, they were downcast, they were discouraged. They even wanted to leave the Lord and leave the ministry. And so in Luke chapter 23, if you have your Bibles, we'll just turn there for a second. 
in verses 13 to 15. I just want to read a few verses and get into that text. And, and I want so much today for us to live in his expectation. I want today for every single one of us, when we leave this room, to live with this expectation, God, you're going to do something today, and I just want to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. So the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. Seven miles. It's a long way. They didn't have Uber. They didn't have, you know, a bus ride. So they were seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. It's kind of interesting here that Jesus kind of sneaks up behind him. And they didn't really recognize him. That's a long walk, seven miles. Here's the question I have. Where were they going? What were they thinking? I think their expectation level had been so high of what it was supposed to be. When Jesus, they saw him die. They heard about his death. Jesus, you're not supposed to do that. God, what are you doing? This is not the plan. This is not the vision. This is not the expectation that we had. And so I kind of imagine Cleo and his friends kind of putting their hands in their shroud and taking an, an about face, 180 degree turn, and let's just go back home. Let's, let's just go back. This, this isn't what we expected. It's not certainly what we wanted. Can I just tell you part of who we are at MVCC? And if you're looking for a church home, there's a lot of good churches in this area. But one of the things that we really want to continue to do here is just be very, very real, very honest, very open, loving like Jesus and, and on mission. I mean, we have a mission. We have a purpose of why we're here. And can I just tell you that even as a pastor, I know our pastoral staff and our ministry team, there are some days that we wake up and go, gosh, Lord, I think you got the wrong guy. This isn't working out. This isn't the way I imagined that the expectation isn't meeting. Maybe you're in business. Maybe you're in a marriage right now. Maybe you're parenting or grandparenting, or maybe you're thinking about moving out of state or making this big decision, and the expectation level was way up here, and it wasn't met. What do we do? Well, we have a choice. We can return. We can go back. I've had a few days, not many, but just a few days that I, I love serving you. I love being your pastor. I love shepherding. I love giving the word. I love, I love just loving people, you know? But there are some, times, some difficult times sometimes in church life, in ministry, and certainly we got the devil out there who's fighting against the church, and everything's not always going according to plan, my plan. And there are some days that I've woken up saying, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to get a job in Newport Beach. I just want to teach tennis to rich people, and I just, it's just so much easier. It's just so much easier. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I think that's where they were. And I've even thought about, this is way back in the day, sending my resume. Just, you know, it's not worth it. It's not meeting my expectation. Let's, let's pick it up here in Luke 24, 17 to 21. And so... Now we're picking it up with Jesus having this conversation. I love this. Jesus kind of sneaks up behind him, and he taps him on the shoulder, and he asks them, verse 17, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stop short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleo, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that had happened here 
the last few days. I, I just want to stop here for a second. It may seem kind of strange. Why is Jesus asking questions? Jesus is God. He knows everything. But sometimes when Jesus asks questions, he's trying to reveal something that's down deep in here. Amen? And so he's asking these questions because he loves them and wants to bring them back. Now, here's, here's what Jesus says now. I think, this is, I think this is kind of funny. Well, what things, Jesus asked. Well, of course, I can imagine, you know, Cleo, of course, the things that happened to Jesus. And they're talking, I think this is funny. They're telling Jesus about Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they said he was a prophet. Ah, but he's more than a prophet, right? Who did powerful miracles. Yes, he did. And was a mighty teacher. Yes, he was. In the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over. Key Fraser, just want you to lock onto that. Zoom in on this one. Highlight it. Write it down. Remember this one. Handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped. And I was, I was hoping this marriage would get better. I, I was hoping the cancer would be gone. I was hoping that this air of depression would be lifted I was hoping that my son or my daughter would mentally be stronger. They had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. It's just, I, again, I think it's kind of funny. Jesus comes up, what y'all talking about? What are you guys doing? What's happening? And saying, it is true, the Lord has appeared to Simon and two, told him what had happened on that day and how Jesus recognized them and broke bread. See what Jesus is doing here? He's, he's not chastising them. He's not disciplining them. He's not trying to get them for what they did. He said, I understand you want to go back. I understand, which is the key first word that I just pick out of this, this expectation that I want you to live with today is we have the choice of returning or moving forward. See, I have a personal belief. Either we're growing or we're dying in a relationship with Jesus. And that's not to threaten anybody. That's just to say, I want to keep growing. So I don't want to return when I have the temptation to go back to the old life. Some of us, I just believe in this moment, some of us here today who've accepted Jesus, we are tempted to go back to the old life, tempted to go back to the old relationship, temp tempted to go back to the old ways. And Jesus is, is quietly coming up behind us and says, what you guys doing? Where are you going? Why, why, why are you turning around? I want you to keep coming with me to Jerusalem. This, this, this is what I love about Jesus, what I love about God. He's incredibly patient with us, isn't he? I love that he is a patient God. Luke 24, verse 20, just want to return to that verse. It says, they handed him over. Going back to that scene before Jesus was crucified, they handed him over. That Greek word is called paradidomai. Come on, say that with me. Paradidomai. We can do that a little bit better. Come on, one, two, three. Paradidomai. That's our Greek lesson for the day. What does it mean? It means literally handing someone over with approval to do with them what you wish. Jesus was handed over, think about this, by Judas. It's the same Greek word that's used when Judas handed him over to the religious, religious leaders for 30 pieces of silver. It's the same word that when it says the Sanhedrin handed him over to Caiaphas. 
Caiaphas handed him over to Pilate. Pilate handed him over to Herod. Herod handed him back over to Pilate. And then Pilate handed him over to the people, of course, we know, to be crucified. See, we had hoped he wouldn't have been handed over. And I, I got to ask myself the question, if Cleo were here in the room, I would ask, and couldn't you just wait one more day? Couldn't, couldn't you just make the hotel room just one more day? Why wouldn't you stay one more day just to see if this Jesus guy was true, if he really was God and he rose from the dead? Don't you want to see? Couldn't you just wait one more day? Man, I just feel like there's someone here in this room that needs to hear that right there, right in that moment. Just hang on. Don't bail out. Don't think of it as it looks like it's death and nothing can be resurrected. God can resurrect anything. Now, while this is all going on, the 11 disciples whom Jesus chose and he followed, they followed him were hiding away, man, in the upper room. Peter, John, Bartholomew, all of these guys. And I, I love the fact that at the resurrection morning, early in the morning when the sun arose, Jesus breaks through the tomb. He rolls the stone away and there's an angel sitting on the tomb. And who's the very first people that get to see the resurrected Jesus? It's the women, right? I guess this is where the women should be. Where, where's the estrogen? Can I have some estrogen praise for God, right? Woo, it's the women. Why? I think it's because the women were more intimately in tune. I think they, their heart was set on Jesus. Jesus had changed their whole life. And they went to the tomb, not even expecting the resurrection. They came, remember, with spices. They came to prepare the body because they were so in mourning. They were so sad. They, their expectation level was, was broken. And all they could do was honor the body of Jesus. And here we see that Jesus, the second one is that he revealed himself. Jesus revealed who he was. And, 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 and they, the women run to where the 11 disciples were, by the way, hiding behind locked doors, locked door Levi, right? Scaredy Simon. It's the women that are out running around telling everybody about Jesus. They go to Peter and John and they say, look, he's alive. We saw him. He is risen. Peter and John run back to the cemetery, and as they look in, they peer in. John peers into the tomb, and he sees the linens perfectly folded. It's Peter that jumps over John. By the way, it's written in the book of John that John got to the tomb first. But Peter jumps over him, goes into the tomb, and he says, where is he? Where have they taken the body? They still don't believe. Why do I bring this up? Because there are moments, I think, in every one of our lives that we have not believed. We've struggled. Is it real? Jesus, are you really there? Jesus, what are you doing? I believe you're there, but I don't trust what you're doing. Come on, none of us came out of the womb praising Jesus. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We're all messed up. And when we came to Jesus, because we humbled ourselves, he worked on our hearts. We received his great love. That's what I love about Jesus. In the midst of all of this chaos, we don't really believe he rose from the dead. How could, he have ha how could it have happened? In the middle of all that, God is love. Amen. His love. And he can reveal to you, he can reveal himself to you, to me, in the most unlikely of places. In our moments of being afraid, in our moments of being sick, maybe in a difficult marriage, 
Or maybe God has given you a teenager that's driving you nuts and God shows up in that moment because he wants to show you his power, which leads us to number three. They got up and returned to Jerusalem. They were seven miles out and now this actually should be the 14 mile journey. They seven miles back to Jerusalem and they found the 11 humble, huddled together in that upper room, which leads to the third thing that I see here is the rebirth. What is this? That Jesus gives us a restart. He gives us a reboot. He, he gives us a do-over. Aren't you glad for that? He revealed himself and they believed. When Jesus came Star Trek style through the room and he came right through that wall and he was standing in front of them. Do you remember what they said? My Lord, my God, you're alive. And at that moment it says they believed. He breathed his Holy Spirit on them. And this is the transition that I see. They were living with an expectation of, is it real? He wasn't supposed to die. We were supposed to rule and reign on earth. Come on, all of us have had expectations about how life should be. But God comes in in a subtle way and he may bring a totally different expectation and I want you to align with his expectation. I want you to live with an expectancy because I see a difference in these guys. I see a difference in the 11 and all of a sudden house churches started to form and Christianity is starting to explode. They had life groups and small groups in their homes. Everybody was talking about Jesus in the Palestinian area. Not every single person believed, but everybody was talking about God. Everybody was talking about this so-called God that maybe had risen from the dead. Everybody knew his name and life was changed. These people, these men, these men and women, I believe with a com- believed with a complete expectancy after they saw the risen Jesus. Now, we're sitting here today in our nice, comfortable Orange County chairs. How do we know that Jesus risen from the dead? I've never seen Jesus. Has anyone here ever actually seen him? I haven't seen him. I've read books about him. I've seen the facts. But I will tell you this. There is overwhelming, overwhelming facts and credibility about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we don't have time to get into all that. But I know he's alive. I know he's alive because the facts tell me. But even more than the facts, I've met him. In spirit, he has changed my life. He has changed me from the inside out. He has resurrected my life. My life was dead. I was absolutely messed up. I mean, messed up to the point that I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Jesus Christ reaching down and saving my life. And I know if we had time, every single one of you here today who knows Jesus Christ is your savior, you could walk across this stage. I would love to have one Sunday where we just have people just line up and we're just gonna take time with the microphone. Tell me what Jesus has done for you. And the band plays another song. Tell me what Jesus did for you and we just have another Holy Spirit party man because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead now how many of you here know that we absolutely need a change in our society Jesus Christ the very same word paradidomai remember that Greek word paradidomai not only was he handed over although he allowed himself to be nowhere nobody really handed jesus over because he's god he allowed himself to be given on behalf of all of us he traded his life for your life but at john 19:30 this is where i want to just kind of wind this down this morning is in john 19:30 it says jesus gave up his spirit and died that same greek word that says judas thought he was handing and getting that money, and he was going to get the fame of what Jesus had done, and he was going to turn this whole thing around. That very same word that says Jesus, paradidomai, 
handed his spirit over to the Father. That is key. If Jesus does not hand over his life and dies on the cross, we're lost. We have no hope. But I'm so glad that he did. He handed over his life. John 3, 16. The Super Bowl sermon. I mean, the whole world has seen that sermon. For God so loved Bob, Jill, Mike, Steve, that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. As much as I love John 3.16, we could probably all quote it. I love John 3.17 as equal. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He paradidomai. He handed himself over. And what that means, brothers and sisters, is that he values you. If you're in this room and thinking, I don't know, man, my life doesn't matter much, or I have these expectations and nothing seems to be working out, he cares. He does. He wants you to align himself with you, with him. And I don't know about you, but there's some days I just feel really messed up. There's some days I feel like, gosh, I just want to return. Or sometimes I just feel like I take two giant steps forward spiritually. Man, I'm so close to Jesus. We're so one. Just Holy Spirit power, man, just walking. Things are happening. Things are working. God is moving. I can see where God is moving. And there's some days I just feel like 20 pounds of sin on a popsicle stick. I just feel like I move back 15 paces spiritually. And why? It's a little thing called sin. We all have it. We've been born with it. There's no one that can escape death and there's no one that can escape the fact that we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all done something where we've really messed up. And that's nothing to get bummed out about. That's something to own up to. That's something to take responsibility for. I understand that I have done wrong. God, I have broken your law. I have broken your word. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. There's nobody here that can say, oh no, I haven't sinned at all. We've all done something wrong. In fact, we were all a mess That's why I love it in the Bible when it says Jesus is the Messiah because he comes and cleans up our mess. He does that for us. And when we believe in the resurrection, when we believe in Jesus, we have an expectation now of living, man. Getting up the next morning, I can't wait to see. God, if you live me, if I get to live another day, I can't wait to see, God, what you're gonna do. Jesus invites you and I to a life of expectation. God, what are you gonna do today? I just wanna be a part of what you're doing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower, not perfect, not what you ought to be, not what you should be, because none of us are, but saved by grace. The blood of Jesus has covered your life. You've received him. You've repented of your sins, man. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. That word there, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, is in the Greek emphatic, means it's a progression. It's an emphatic position. That means you will be, continue to be a salt of the earth, the light of the world, making a difference for God's mission. We are coupled with God because we want to see every single person come to the love of Jesus Christ. The resurrection means this. Number one, your eternity is secure, man. Your eternity is secure. Isn't that a good way to just, this spiritual exhale. I don't, so, so why do I wake up at night worrying about stuff? If I really believed that Jesus was in my tomorrow, which by the way, Jesus is already there then why am I worrying so much about the things of the day? Why do we worry about health and finances and retirement, what my kids are gonna do or who am I gonna marry? Where am I gonna go to school? What am I gonna do with my life? 
There's nothing wrong with being concerned about those things. But now because I live with expectation that Jesus has risen from the dead, God, I'm excited to find out what you're going to do. Number two is this. So we know we're going to heaven. John says, I've written these things that you may know you have received eternal life. Keyword, E-D, received. Not, well, I hope I make it to heaven. Well, I've been trying to be a Christian. I've been trying to live a Christian life. I I got saved, sanctified, baptized, but I still mess up. Look, man, once you get saved, you're saved. We do so much to have our life insurance in order. What about our spiritual life insurance? Make the decision now. Give your heart to Jesus now. The love of Jesus is in this room. I can feel him. He's working. If you're here and, gosh, you know what, Mike? I've been far away from church. It's okay. And I'm far away from God. It's all right. I want you to come back to Jesus now. Give your life to Jesus today. None of us are guaranteed of tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed of the next moment, in fact. Second is, I'm so happy for this. Because of the resurrection, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. Oh, sure, there's things that we are afraid of in the natural. But Jesus says, when you start to feel afraid, I want you to put your trust in my word. I want you to put your trust in me. I know that you're going to feel afraid, but you don't want to let fear consume your life. You don't want to let fear overwhelm your life. So Jesus takes away all of our fears. Didn't he say in 1 John, perfect love casts out all fear. And number three, I'm just equally as happy about is you can overcome anything in life through Jesus. Oh my gosh. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, those moments when it just seems so dark and it seems like I can't get over this wall. I can't get over this hurdle. It's just too big. It's too magnanimous. It's just, it's, it's unrealistic to think that, God, this could ever happen. And through Jesus, God can break us through anything. He may not always do everything we want, but he calls us into an expectation level of what he wants. I close with this. Remember the disciples scattered and shattered, right? The 11 of them were hiding up in the room. Cleo and his guy, man, they were back to Emmaus. They were on their way out. Going back to Newport Beach, teach tennis, I'm out. Going back to fishing, going back to tax collecting, going back to banking. Jesus wasn't the guy I thought he was. Jesus never gives up on us. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. He said to them, receive my spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's power that lives inside of you. And every single person here today can receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. It just comes to those that are humble and those that choose to receive and say, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. Now, here's the difference that I see in these guys huddled together in fear. And here's the difference I see now in Acts chapter 2. Peter sees thousands of Jewish people. There's a Pentecost celebration going on. 50 days of celebrating God, celebrating God's faithfulness to Israel. Remember now, the Spirit of God is inside, dwelling inside of all of these men who were hiding away. Peter busts open the door and he sees thousands of Jewish people there and Gentiles. And he says, God, here's an opportunity. And he shares the good news of Jesus Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified... God made him Lord and Christ. Well, we know that Jesus died and we know now we realize that we crucified. It says in verse 32, they were cut to the heart. They felt bad about what they did. And then they asked the question, what shall we do? And Peter says, I'm so glad you asked. I am so glad you asked. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for your sins will be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, man. What's better than that? I mean, this world cannot offer anything, anything that even compares to what God is offering. Peter lived in expectation, man. Do you think Peter was sitting inside of the room going, oh, well, I guess it's going to be another day. 
Guess I'll fill my jacuzzi. Guess I'll just pay the bills. Got nothing else to do. Man, God, what are you going to do today? I just want to be a part of it. Just one more. Can I just share one more and then we'll be done? And then we'll go out and play and eat ham and do all the stuff that we do on Easter. Peter and John, man, they are changed. Their expectation level went from the lowest to the highest. They are walking through the streets of Jerusalem. They see a blind beggar. The blind beggar asked. He says, man, can you guys give me some silver or gold? Because I've been down on my luck. He says, I can imagine them going into their shroud. Uh, Sorry, we don't have any silver or gold. But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk, man. He gets up and he starts walking, running, praising God. And he's a testimony to everyone. Do we think for a moment they didn't live with expectation? Peter and John had an expectation level. God, what are you going to do? And even if God decided for whatever reason he wasn't going to heal that guy, I love the fact that Peter and John were so living in expectation. God, what are you going to do? I just want to be a part of it. Why do we say that? Because we believe in the resurrected Jesus. Can I share just one more? One more, and I promise we'll be gone. One more, one more. In Acts chapter 16, I love this. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were absolute just animals for the gospel. They wouldn't turn back away from anything that tried to deter them to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. They are literally thrown into prison, chained. They're in the stocks in Acts chapter 16. You can read this. And in the middle of the night, at midnight, literally at midnight, where this is a bunch of guys inside of the cell, they start praising God. Why? They praise God. Thank you, God, that we are in this situation because we're expecting God you to do something. That's what I believe they were doing. They weren't, oh, God, get us out of here. If you get us out of here, God, we could preach the gospel so much more. If you could just do this, God, they were, God, use us in this situation. What I love in that chapter is the jailer, the guy that was unlocking and locking these guys in, put their hands in the stocks, locked in. You guys are done. He gets saved. Who is this Jesus you guys are singing about? The, the expectation that we live with is so important. I just, I want so much as we leave here in just a second to live with an expectation that's so different. Can I share just one more? One more, one more, one more. There's a guy named Dave in our church, tragic. His wife died about three months ago from cancer. We were there at his bedside holding hands with this guy. He's in our Saturday morning life group Bible study. Life groups are so important because it's more than Sunday morning. It's doing life together. And as we sat together and mourned with him and cried and prayed and asked God for a miracle, he didn't do it. And this guy, Dave, could have went back to Emmaus, but he didn't. He said, I'm digging my heels in because I believe that Jesus is still in this. He's here serving. He's here making food for people. He's here setting up tents at 6 a.m. He comes every Saturday morning to men's study. Can I, can I just tell you one more, one more? There's like another guy named Dave. We got a lot of Daves here in this church. You got to meet him. This guy was so strung out on drugs. Demons had a hold of this guy. And literally in his house, for 53 years, he was on crystal meth, drugs and alcohol. His life was going down the tubes. The doctor says, you have nothing, you're going down. He accepts Jesus Christ, calls upon God because he was so empty. And now he's reaching out to people who are also strung out, messed up, going to the bottle, who don't have any place to go. But Jesus wants them to know that he loves and cares for them. And he's using somebody with expectation. There's one more, one more, one more. There's a guy named Pat. I just, I wish I could go on for hours. There's a guy named Pat. Literally, he was in a mission ICU. The doctor said, you better get your life in order. He had alcoholism to the max. He had cirrhosis of the liver. They said, you're not going to survive. Get your affairs in order to his family. Three days later, he gets up out of his, you can ask him. He's out here, Pat. God, wake, 
He's here serving. He's loving Jesus. He says in our men's group, he goes, man, I'm just so happy because Jesus loves me and he gave me a second chance in life. He's living with an expectation. That's, that's living. Don't just exist. Don't just take up space eating my food. Live with expectation, man. Listen, if you're here today, I want you to accept Jesus. I really do. And there's no agendas. There's no like work it or anything. I'm not into that. I just, from my heart, just to your heart, I don't want you to leave this place without knowing Jesus as your savior. And it's as simple as, as, a, as a child putting his hand into a father and mother's hand, receiving Jesus by faith. So will you pray? I'm just, every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I just, I think every, I think every single one of us should just pray this together, just out loud if you're, if you're inclined to. And this is your first time doing this. I want to invite you to what Jesus said. I knock on the door. Knock on your heart's door. If you will open, I will come in. Lord Jesus, come on, everybody together. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I'm sorry that I've messed up my life. I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. And I accept your sacrifice. Thank you for rising from the dead. I give you my life. I recommit my life. I want to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.